You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to uh, Tech Fan number 88. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm Debbie Cohn. And we want to uh, dedicate this episode to the loving memory of Scott Wilsey. Why? What happened to Scott Wilsey? Hmm? What? What happened to Scott Wilsey? Nothing. I didn't hear anything. Nothing. Well, why are we doing this episode in loving memory of him then? Uh, really, David? You're like one of those lifophobics where you, you can't celebrate someone's loving memory before they're dead? I mean, come uh, on. Don't you think that's a bit strange, really? though? Oh, so we're only supposed to have celebrations of someone's loving memory if they're dead, is what you're saying. Let's just get on with the show. <laughs> Someone posted something. You know, I. the thing with Facebook is you see all those uh, pictures, and the ones who post picture after picture after picture, and they're always, you know, either funny or supposedly moving and uh i guess those sick of seeing them cats yeah yeah lots of cats uh this one was actually funny it's a screenshot of a text b- between two people from an iphone right and it's from the daughter and she says um got an a in chem and then the mom writes back wtf well done so the daughter writes back mom what do you think wtf means well, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I like that one a lot. So Yeah, I think things a lot of people that don't understand a lot of those uh, acronyms. Yeah, and it's funny when people use them incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. That cracks me up. Um told you last week, David, that we had ordered a uh, Nexus 7. You did. I got to play... I got another device, too. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh got to play with the Nexus 7 for a couple hours. And, um... Okay, it's Android. No surprise, I don't really care for Android a whole lot. Yeah. I think it's a little clunky. Um... And I, I've never really liked it on any device that I've used. It just doesn't feel as clean. It doesn't have the spit and shine of an, an iPad or an iPhone. Yeah, and, and immediately as you say that, I hear the scoffing noise that Android people in the audience make when people say things like that, which is like, oh, that, that fit and finish thing is not important. Well, it is if you have taste. <laughs> no, well, no, I, I think... And standards. It, you know, it is in important. Times, in times past, maybe it wasn't important, but it does become important when the market leader kind of does it better than everybody else. Uh, that makes it important. I agree. Yeah. But using the Nexus 7 is probably the best experience I've had on Android so far. Uh, yeah. Physically... I really like that 7-inch tablet. It feels really good in your hand. Uh, it's a nice screen. It doesn't rival... It doesn't even rival my iPhone 4S, to be honest, in clarity and just... But everything else is really nice. Um, the The physical hardware really is top-notch, I, I have to say. Uh, I don't like the 7-inch screen for extended use, I would prefer a 10-inch screen, depending on what I'm doing, of course. But the drawback is always going to be Android. Well, this device really is made for the Android operating system, and you can really tell it's it's really responsive. <laughs> Excuse me. And I say that having used quite a few other Android devices. It is by far the best Android device out there. Yeah. Um, web browsing is extremely fast. I mean, just it's it's blazing fast. Uh, when you do a search, it's so much faster than on an iPad. It really is. Siri uh-huh. is slow and buggy. Uh, it that the voice feature function to search on the uh, Nexus Seven is better than Siri. Right. Uh, at least as okay. far as giving you a response right away. Uh, accuracy. I haven't used it enough to know if it's as accurate, but it feels quicker. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I pushed that Siri button and said something and waited and waited and waited, 
and I don't have all day. It would it would have been quicker for me to pull up mobile Safari and type in my search. Yeah, I, it's interesting that because obviously that's those voice features are something that Androids had for a very long time. So it's you would expect it to be more mature than Siri, and it definitely is. I think yeah. it's I think it's a better solution right now. Apple's got their work cut out for them. They really do. I don't care what all the marketing hype or the PR is about. Actual use, the voice search, at least on the Nexus 7, is faster than Siri. And it's significantly faster. I, I've sat there for five seconds waiting for Siri. Now, five seconds doesn't sound like a lot. But think about it. I asked you a question, David. I'm going to wait. I'm, then I'm going to count to five before you answer, okay? What's your name? Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Finbar Saunders. <laughs> you see, that's too long. It's it's yeah. And then you watch these commercials that Apple has of Siri, and it's like instant response. It's not. I don't like no. those commercials because it's not like that even under perfect conditions. No, no, I mean, and they they actually put a little disclaimer on the bottom now saying that all the sequences you see on those ads have been shortened and edited. Um, the, the, the thing I'd say, though, is that how relevant is it to have a voice search feature on a tablet? Because to me, if I want to do a search on a tablet, I'm going to type on the thing. I'm not going to, because it doesn't matter how how good the voice search is it's always going to be quicker and more natural to me I and mean, this might be just me to type that search rather than speak to but it's tablet. not just search Here, here's a prime example david and this is one of those things that i think a lot of people are starting to use siri for i'm good let me uh log into my iphone here and i'm going to turn it up so you guys can hear it wake me up tomorrow at 9 a.m I've set an alarm for 9 a.m. That wasn't too bad. No. Okay, now. Where's the nearest Taco Bell? I found four restaurants named Taco Bell fairly close to you. That's not bad. No. That's not bad at all. But the point is, the first one, maybe do it on the tablet, but again, I don't tend to use my iPad as an alarm clock. Um, the second one, where's the nearest Taco Bell? I wouldn't do that on a, on my iPad. I would do it on my iPhone because I'd want to know that while I'm out in the street. Yep. Not while I'm sat. You know, again, if, I, if I'm sat down and I want to search for something, I'm going to go to Google Maps and kind of do it manually because then I can do a series of searches and I can jump to links and all of that sort of thing. Here's, here's where Siri falls down for me. And this is usually when I'm on a cellular network because I'm in the car and I can't yeah. type while I'm in the car. So I'm going to send you a message. An instant message via my right. phone, messages. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hit the microphone button, and I'm going to talk into it. And I'm going to tell you how long it takes until it figures out what I just said. Okay. Okay. Are we doing the podcast today? Okay, it's thinking. Wow, it was really fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I retract everything I said. Of course, I'm sitting literally a foot and a half from my Wi-Fi router, too. <laughs> That might have something to do with it. Uh, but on a cellular network, oh, it's, it takes forever. It just takes forever. But you have to wonder um, whether that's a deficiency of the phone or deficiency of the cellular networks um, and whether they're even down-prioritizing that traffic. You and I can think of that, but it, an average person using their iPhone 4S... Isn't thinking that. They're thinking, why isn't my phone responding? I just talked into it, and it's sitting there thinking about it now. Uh, you know what? I don't know about that, really. I, I think I think those of us who you know, are used to using all the latest tech gadgets are very conscious about how things work, how, how long things take. Um, I think a lot of other people, people who are just kind of using the gadgets, I, I think they're so pleased that it works, they don't actually notice how long it takes. Could be. It could be. Maybe we're just uh, too much of a technology purist, and we expect things to be flawless and work correctly every time. I think that has a little something to do. Or, or maybe we're just the opposite. We don't expect it to work correctly each and every time because we've been burned so many times in the past. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, it's, so just to go back to the to the Nexus Seven for a minute. Um, so you've played with it for a bit, yep. uh, and you've talked about some of the things that are good about it. Uh, I read a, a, a review by Fraser Spears, who is the guy who's been very vocal about. Um, he, he's basically a school IT administrator in Scotland, um, and he's replaced all the computers in his school with iPads. Uh-huh. So he's this is a guy who kind of really knows how to make the iPad shine. Um, he bought one with his own money, just tried out and to figure out because obviously you know. Um, He's got a budget where he's buying iPads, and uh, if he could switch to something that was smaller and cheaper, he could save a lot of money. Absolutely. So he wanted to, he wanted to know how the next seven stacked up, and I think he gave a pretty fair and balanced review. Um, and he, he same thing to you. He said it was probably the best Android device he'd ever used, but he did say some negative things as well, such as that the foot he didn't feel the form factor was great. Um, it certainly was very difficult to type on um, part because the form facts are partly because of Android. Um, and also, he said that um, in terms of available apps for, for it, uh, it, was, it was terrible. I mean, really, really terrible in terms of quality applications. And he felt that because people were knew they were going to a 7-inch tablet, they were just blowing up um, phone applications rather than recoding applications for the larger screen, which you know made it. He said most of the apps feel like they're you know the same way they feel if you go to an iPad and put the uh, an iPhone application into two times mode. So so how how do you feel about it from that perspective in terms of not just the things that are good about it, but as natural equivalent of an iPad? I like the form factor, um, yeah. and that's what I kind of meant by the the fit and finish. It feels yeah. good in your hand. It doesn't feel cheap. Um, I actually like the, the, the feel of the device. If you're only exclusively used to a 10-inch iPad, it's going to seem small, but mm-hmm. it's going to seem huge if you're only used to an iPod Touch or an iPhone. But I liked it. But by the same token, I have a Kindle Fire, which is roughly the same size, so I'm already used to that form factor. So from that perspective, I liked it a lot. Yes, apps are going to be a problem for Android for a while. Um, the biggest problem there is most Android users don't buy apps. And the ones who are big time in the apps seem to be stealing apps a lot. Um, yep. A lot of companies have come out and just released their products now for free on the Android app, ad-supported, because they say they can't sell them because everyone's stealing their apps. So that's a huge problem for Google, and that's... That goes back to the walled garden approach. Do you want a walled garden? What's the benefits? Oh, we don't want someone that's a gatekeeper to our apps. Well, okay, so we'll make it completely open and look what happens. Everybody steals the apps, and the quality apps will never be developed for the platform. Because let's be honest, developers cannot work for free. No, and something else that was said in this particular review that review that I will put a link to in the show notes, um, it was the guy felt that most of the apps that were halfway decent were just ports of iPhone or iPod, iPad apps. Um, and there was only one, I think it was only Evernote, he said, where he felt like they'd gone to the effort of saying, well, how should we do this for Android as opposed to just porting it from another platform? Well, so, the problem uh, there is, and let's be honest, every, all things being equal, it's a piece of glass with an interface, right? You don't really interact with an iPad, you're acting, you're interacting with the app. The same thing is true on the Android device. So what works well on an iPhone or an iPad, user interface-wise, should be exactly the same for an Android device. Well, I don't know. I mean, the control, the control surfaces and the and the APIs that allow you to put the app together should be different on Android than they are from from an iPad. I mean, it's a different underlying platform. So in terms of, you know, the way the apps are presented, you should be able to do that differently. But why? Um, well, well, because the, the controls and the layout of the stuff in Android is different from the way it is in iOS. No, no, no. When you're using an app on either Android or on an iPad, it's on the glass, David. No, I know, I know that. But in terms of the way the actual controls are laid out, the actual, you know, gadgets and, and things that make up the interface. Why should it be different? Diff- because because they are different. But if you, why? If you because because they are because the, you know I'm talking about the actual uh, the the shape 
and lay out the responsivity of the buttons and everything, it's different on iOS than it is from Android because it's different APIs. But from if a user wanted, perspective, it shouldn't create, be any. No, well, but, but the, the thing is, look, let's, let's take the Dropbox app because this is one app that he, the guy says is, is exactly the same between the iPad mm-hmm. uh, and iOS, right? So if I fire up Dropbox here on my, um, on my iPhone, yeah, um, the, the search bar at the top... Yeah, that's an iOS search bar. It's part of the um, iOS API. There's an edit button on there that's part of the um, uh, iOS API. The way the folders are presented, the way the list of um, letters down the side to allow you to jump between different um, uh, you know, folders in the alphabet and that sort of thing, all of that is specific to iOS. Now, I don't know whether the Android Chrome, if you want to call it that, um, that allows you to construct the... The bits of your apps and allows you to present lists of folders and everything like that. But the button bar at the top is the same in Android or not. But if you want those apps to look exactly the same for one platform or the other, you're going to have to recode everything. Uh, and potentially, you might you, there might be a function that that iOS gives you that is just like three lines of code, call an API that isn't there in Android, and you'd have to recreate it from scratch. I think we're now, coming at this from different perspectives. I'm coming at it from a user perspective. I don't yeah. see any reason that an Android app should look or feel or be controlled any differently than an, an iPad. Yes, maybe the search bar looks a little different. Um, maybe the icons are slightly different. But for the most part, a piece of glass is a piece of glass is a piece of glass. Right? Well, the reason I'm, I'm sort of kind of making a deal of this is because... If you want to make the best out of the platform, you want to make the best use of the APIs. You shouldn't necessarily solve the problem on one platform, which, which you know, the, the approach you take that might be limited by what that platform allows you to do. If you then move to a different platform that, and you've got potentially different capabilities, you shouldn't just um, port what you've done before because it, you might be able to do it better. Do you see what I mean? I do. Um the problem there is you're you're really getting into feature creep. Well, you could do that on this on this device, but not that device. And if people but, are but the, buying, the reason, well, the, yeah. But the reason that that's important is because if you have, let's suppose Apple does come out with a seven-inch iPad, and suppose it's within fifty dollars of the price of a Google Nexus, or even a hundred dollars of the price of a Google Nexus, being more. So Google Nexus is what two hundred dollars. Yep. Uh, so, say um, a seven-inch iPad comes out and it's three hundred dollars. So that's hundred dollars more. If you sit a consumer down in front of that, both those devices, and say, "Well, which one are you going to buy?" Yeah, they're going to say, "Well, uh, let's have a look at what they can do. Let's look at how the fit and finish and everything. Fit and finish is going to be better on the iPad." The um, user interface is going to be better on the iPad. The user interface is probably something they're more familiar with because there's a good chance they've seen those devices more. They've been in the market for longer and in the market leaders. There's more apps on the iPad. And the apps that are available on both platforms look pretty much the same. Then you're going to say, okay, well, well, unless I'm really budget-constrained, I'm going to buy the iPad. But I think a lot of people are budget-constrained, and I think that's why Apple is looking at the 7-inch market, because they've got to get into that, just like they did with the iPods. Could be the pr- the problem is is that is that is the mass market that Google needs to get real traction in tablets. People who are so budget constrained they're going to buy the cheapest device possible. Yep. Or is the is the mass market the people who can afford to spend the hundred dollars extra and buy the iPad with the much larger ecosystem? Well, I think all you have to do is look at what's been happening since the iPad was released and the iPhone for that matter and see that. A premium price isn't hurting sales. No, this is this is kind of what I'm saying. The, the the reason I'm kind of making this this point is because I'm trying to understand, apart from price, what's the differentiator? And what you're kind of telling me from your review is that you picked up the Google Seven Nexus Seven. Uh, still hate the fact that they're all called Nexus or Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you picked up the Nexus Seven and you said, "Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's okay. It's all right." Uh, yeah, this little bit's slightly better. Um, 
you know, and and it's, it's it's kind of like damning with faint praise here. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's fairly adequate. Well, well for an not, Android that, device, it's the best. Uh, you see, that does not sound like um, the thing. It's that's not a winning endorsement. It's not a winning endorsement by any means because I have an iPad three, or whatever the hell they're calling it now, um, and it's so better. <laughs> it's, it's not even close. Um, but I didn't want to, you know, because you didn't hear. You also didn't hear me really comparing it to the Kindle Fire because I've got one of those. And that would probably be more an apt comparison because they're this, exactly the same size, same price point. They're both running Android. Um, obviously, the Kindle Fire has been modified by Google or by Amazon to be really a front end to the Amazon experience. And when I compare those two devices, the Nexus 7 is much better. Right. It's just more responsive. Web browsing is faster. Uh, the user interface is quicker. Now, is that the hardware or is that the software? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think the next version of the Kindle Fire is going to be a real competitor to the Nexus. But here's the problem. If you want the $200 Nexus 7, you have to order it from Google. You don't have a chance to go to a store and pick it up. The ones in a few stores, and it's a very select few so far is the $250 model, which comes with yep. twice as much hard drive space, and that's it. You get twice as much storage, but it costs 50 bucks more. Right. That that 199 price point, and Google said they're, they're breaking even on it. Okay, I don't really care about that. As a consumer, I don't care if they're making, breaking even, or losing money. I don't, what do I care? Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the consumer buying the product. Um, but from my perspective... All things being equal, for an extra fifty bucks, I get twice the storage. Meh. Maybe. It depends on if I had the extra fifty bucks. I, but I'd probably do it. Well, it also depends on what what's available to put into that extra storage. Yeah, but the you know you can rent movies, and I saw all the major stuff up there. Uh, you can read books. You can get the Kindle application for it, and for all those things, yeah, it works fine. But for games, for productivity apps, it doesn't come close to what you can get on the iPad. But still, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to buy an Apple product. They don't like the walled garden, blah, 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 blah. So if you're one of those people, to me, you have to look at a Samsung product, and they're not doing very well in sales. You have to look at the Amazon product, which they're not really releasing figures, but it doesn't sound good. No. And then you have to look at the Nexus 7 as the newest device out there. And as the owner of two of the three devices, I would have to say go with the Nexus 7. It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's the best implementation of Android yet. But again, I mean, in terms of market, I think the number of people who care enough about it to say, I don't want to buy an Apple product, is, is minuscule. I agree. I agree. Or, or they want to be, or they're tech guys who really. Yeah. You know, and, and here's here's the flip side of that, David. Oh, by the way, before I get to this, uh, as an Amazon Prime member, I was really happy to see Amazon coming out with their streaming video service for the iPad. Yeah. Ooh, I watched a couple uh, episodes of Larry Sanders' show. It's a faux talk show from, I'm going to say, yeah. the early 90s. Love that show. Yeah. Um, works great, except there, from what I could find and playing with it for five minutes. There's no search functionality, so I can't look for something. You still have to go back to the computer. Sorry. You have to go back to the computer and add something to your instant queue. Yeah. And that's, then go that's, back, and I, I don't understand why they did that. Well, that's that's like to be a limitation of getting them in the App Store, isn't it? Apple doesn't allow you to link to uh, other content sites. That's why they had to take you know, browsing their bookstore out of the Kindle application. Right. So uh, I think I think we'd have to lay the blame for that one at Apple's door. But you know what? I, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a slight inconvenience. I don't. I don't. I. I. I didn't. I don't really miss that function in the Kindle app. You know, because I'm quite happy to go to my Amazon account on the web browser and you know put whatever I want in there. Say send to my Kindle app, and then it appears. I don't. I don't 
personally feel that's such a great big deal. I'd I rather do. search I think it is a big on deal. the uh, Amazon website because I think searching on the Amazon website is one of the best web search experiences you can get. I agree, but I still think it's a big deal. I think that it's something that yeah. needs to be addressed. I well, don't, well, I don't uh, think yeah, it's but fair. I think we have to... We have to hold up our hands and say that's squarely Apple's fault. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree. And I don't like it at all. I'll be the first to admit it. I don't like it. Uh, Speaking of Amazon again, uh, I got a new little device and I didn't have to pay for it, so I was happy. And let me unplug it here. And it is uh, the Kindle Touch. It's the, uh, the cheapy one, but it's also the one that's not ad supported. So it's like, I think it's 130 bucks. And uh, I haven't, I've never owned a Kindle Touch or mm-hmm. any Kindle device other than the Kindle Fire and then the apps on the various devices that I have. And of course, you know, it's not backlit screen, so you have to be in basically daylight or under, under a, a lamp to see it. I don't yeah. like that aspect of it. Um, the user interface is terrible on this thing. It's just terrible, David. Uh, I password protected mine. I don't know why. Um, so I turn it on so, and it says enter so password. So people can't pick it up and see your copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. So I, I pick it up and I start immediately typing in my password, but for some reason, it's 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 not very responsive. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard that. I'd heard that the um, I'd heard that the touch was the worst of the Kindles. To be honest. Yeah, it's I'm I'm not really impressed with the user interface. Reading on it. So much better than an iPad. Yeah. So much better than fact, a Nexus or I, the Kindle Fire. A couple Fire. of weeks ago, I found myself browsing the uh, browsing eBay for the uh, Kindle DX, yeah. which is the ten-inch Kindle e-paper reader, and thinking to myself, I'd really like one of those. They're really, really expensive, but um, I do like the reading experience on the e-ink ones. It's much better. Um, it's just it's superior. If you're a reader, get a Kindle. Uh, with e-ink. They're just so much better. I'm not talking Kindle Fire, because if you're going to go that route, just get an iPad. Yeah. Or an Exa 7, because it, they're better devices, and they're, uh, you're going to do a lot more with them than you're going to with... Uh... But I, if it's just reading, and I'm a reader, Dave, but I love to read. Yeah. i, I got to say, the e-ink is just so superior. It doesn't strain your eyes. Um, I am used to reading in bed now with the lights off. So that's kind of a pain. <laughs> Got to leave the light on again. But you can you can get those kind of those little reader book like things. That, yeah, but then you, you look know, stupid. Clip well, yeah, they do. But you know, oh, yeah. So you're in bed at night reading with your uh, partner sleeping next to you. So who cares what you look like? Mm. You know, but but hey, so, it's just but, one more thing. I'm supposed to clip on here. Don't get the touch version. Maybe yeah. go for the for the cheaper one. Yeah. Honestly, I don't. The, what, it, what it's I, just what clunky. Kind of a shame about the cheaper one is it doesn't have a keyboard on it anymore. Correct. Because you know, if you are, if you do want to buy books on the device, um, and you don't want to do what I just talked about about just you know doing it on a web page or something like that, then really you want one with the, with the little keyboard on. I agree. You know, um, but but they're a, they're a fair bit more expensive. But that being said, um, it kind of freaked me out because I. It was waiting here at home for me when I got back from work yesterday. I thought, oh, great. So I, I turned it on, and it had a charge. It was about half charged. I didn't know the battery charge lasts forever on these things. Yeah. And I turned it on, and it forces you, uh, I thought I could actually get out of it, but I didn't realize that, to go through the user manual. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know how to use this thing. Yeah. And then I could not figure out right away, well, how do I sign into my Amazon account? So then I went to my archive, it says archived items, and it said, like, 92 or something. I thought, well, I haven't even signed into this thing yet. I click that. When they send this to you, if you're a Prime member, I assume, they preload this with your account information. Yeah. I didn't know that. It kind of freaked me out. I'm like, how did this (laughs) thing know who I am? (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, it's creepy. Um, of course, nothing's downloaded, so you have to. It's it's just syncing to the cloud, but uh, or their whisper sync, as they call it. But still, it was nice that it was already set up. Um, I I literally could turn it on, click to download a book, and I'm good to go. 
and it's really fast to download because it's on my Wi-Fi network. That, of course, I had to set up. Uh, and, of course, the books aren't particularly big. so No, they're yeah. minuscule. But still, it was nice to have. It was a nice experience that here's a device that I ordered from Amazon. It comes, and it already knows who I am. My account's already loaded on it. I guess that would be a problem if I was ordering it for someone else as a gift. Um, but as a consumer, that was pretty cool. I like that yeah. a lot. So let's take a break here, David, and uh, we'll be right back. When you want a podcast with serious, accurate commentary and analysis. <laughs> As Gaz can attest to, I'm an idiot. Gaz, why do you put up with me? I don't know, actually. Probably because I'm about three or 4,000 miles away from you. Oh, yeah, well, that would explain it. That, that explains a lot about my wife, too. But I don't <laughs> want to go there right now. Or if you're in Norway, write it in, in Swedish. And it'll really just completely blow our minds. Yeah, that's. I think the uh, the universe will implode if that happens. Anyway, <laughs> and you're, you're well, speaking of Donnie. Donnie, damn it, you've got that theme song. We don't have a theme song. Our show has been on the air since two thousand and four. Excuse me, and we do not have wait, a cool theme song wait, like the Pocket Size Podcast. Why did you call him yeah. Donnie? His name's Scott. I just did it again, didn't I? <laughs> the G Man. No one else comes close. TechFan88, I'm Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. Of course, we'd love to get your feedback. We'll uh, read it or play it. Right? Do we got any feedback right now, David? Nobody talks to him. Uh, actually, we, we no, did. I don't think we've got I think week. we did, actually. Let me did check we? my email. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, probably oh, no, there was, yeah, there was. I think we got something from Peter, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me pull up my email real quick here. Ugh. I get so much email, David. It gets a little ridiculous. Um, did you, um, talking of email, did you see uh, Outlook.com, the new webmail service? No. Have you had a chance to look at that yet? It's pretty cool. Is it? Yes, yeah, a different take on, on webmail. Um, That's not a bad know, has, thing. Yeah, it's worth having a look. I will do that. I will take yeah. a look the next chance I get. Uh, let me look over here. Nothing. Uh, oh, yeah, that email. I got a call. Uh, we got a, uh, I believe he's 16 years old, wants to write from my Mac. And, I, of course, I told him I needed to talk to his parents first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Peter Bird uh, left a message up on our website, which is techfanpodcast.com. And he wrote, hello, Tim and David. You guys briefly mentioned Mount Lion. I upgraded, and actually uh, it makes his MacBook Pro work better and quicker than Lion did. I must say, if you guys were given every CEO jobs you guys mentioned, it would be improve those companies by a huge amount, in my opinion, because you guys simply talk sense when you discuss it. But the, here's the problem, Peter. We would get the CEO jobs, and we'd be promptly ignored. They'd <laughs> <laughs> go, who are these two clowns? We're not, we're not listening to these guys. We're going to go about our own way of doing things. Uh, I'm trying to sit in my seat differently here. There we go. I'm a leg sitter. I don't know about you. I like I like sitting uh, on my legs. No, not not anymore. I, I find I'm not supple enough for that nowadays. I'm not either, but my legs don't know that, and they they <laughs> insist they want to tuck themselves up underneath my butt. One leg at a time. I'm not a two leg sitter. Just one leg. Um, let's talk about mountain lion in a second because uh, I know you've got it installed now, don't you? I have it on the machine in front of me. Yeah, yeah and I've got it installed on uh, both my machines, both my work laptop which is my laptop, and my iMac. So we'll talk about that in a second. But first, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, maybe it was last week. Let me look at our show notes. Was it last week? It was two weeks ago. And that was, there was a new version of Field Runners, Field Runners 2. Yeah. And I was very excited. I even liked their page on Facebook. The problem. <laughs> let me uh, let me pull this up because uh, I don't want to uh, field field runners. I don't want to uh, say the wrong thing here. Uh, 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 I posted and I don't see it. Can you believe that? I can't find it now. Huh. It's there, but I don't see it listed. Anyways, uh, I was having a lot of fun with it. And 
I got to a map that I simply cannot get past. I can't get past it. It's a bizarre, bizarre. And a fan has posted a how-to to get past it. Yeah. And I tried it and it didn't work for me. Um, I cannot get past this level. Right skills. Uh, and I'm doing it on easy. So I posted that I'm pretty much giving up on the game because it's I can't get past this level. And if I've played a level this many times and I can't get past it, that's not my issue. That's their issue. And my understanding is a lot of people are having problems with this level. Yeah, I've just done a search for it and I've found a whole lot of people saying, uh... And you, can't, and you can't continue to the game. You can't go any farther until you pass this level. And I'm doing it on easy. And I can't get past it. It's impossible. So I posted that up on their uh, Facebook page and they said they're aware of the issue and that they've got an update coming soon to address the difficulty of that level. Now, look, I love a good challenge, David, but if I've played the same level 50 times and I can get real close to the end, but I still can't beat it, all right, something's wrong. Somebody's coded yeah. some screwed up thing in here, because unless this guide this guy posted to get past it, if that's the only way and you have to do it exactly this way with exactly these upgrades in this order, the game's busted. Yeah, well, you know, play balance is is always tricky. But it, it, it's funny, no matter how much time people spend on uh, game testing and everything, it, occasionally these sort of errors do slip into release games. You know, at least it's an online game and you can get updated. You remember that when these things used to happen, you know, when we were growing up and, and basically <laughs> you were stuck. Yeah. The game was going to be like that forever. Yep. There was a... I remember there was games that you couldn't delete your saved game and and nor could you start a new game. So if you got stuck at a certain point, well, the game's basically ruined at that point. You're like, yeah, eh, I might as well throw this away because I, it, I'm stuck there forever. Uh, so we've got it much better. But that being said, I really want to keep playing Field Runners, but I can't. Because I refuse to play this level until they fix it. I don't want to say make it super simple so I can get past it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying make it more balanced, more fair. Because I've got the best towers you can get, and I've got a, a death swarm line of them, and that the field runners have to run through it four times, and everything is upgraded, and they still get through. It's like, Really? Even the little guys are like getting hit by 12 uh, flame things, fully upgraded. Uh, 12 lightning things, fully upgraded. And behind each one of each one of those is the thing to make you slow down, the glue thing, the glue cannon, yeah. which are completely upgraded. And the little guys are still getting through with like half damage. Really? No freaking way. So it's a little frustrating. It does yeah. sound um, like a challenge. Yeah. You haven't got uh, there yet, have you? Uh, th thanks for the heads up. I'll uh, have to watch out for that one. I'm not not got that far, but I'll have to ask my wife because she's. Um, <laughs> it's funny. She plays much more of these games than I do. Yeah, and uh, and she's normally better at them than me as well. But uh, I'll have to see whether she's got that far yet. I'm not happy. And again, I'm not whining to whine because uh, I I suck at it. So there must be something broke. No, there's a lot. If you if you do a search for bizarre bizarre field runners too. You'll see a lot of very disgruntled people right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not a good thing for uh, the company that makes field runners because it shouldn't be that difficult. It's just a tower defense game. Come on, guys. Um, so, Mountain Lion, David, what's your, uh, you spent a week with it now. What do you think? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I've not used it that much because it's on my, uh, the only machine I have it on at the moment is a MacBook Air, and I don't use that all the time. So, um, but, but, you know, I, I like it. Um, uh, we were talking before the podcast started that I have a, a lot of stuff up in the, in the bar at the top, um, you know, kind of, um, coming in from the left hand side, from the right hand side, sorry. Um, you know, a lot of my programs I have put icons up there and, and of course you lose a little bit more space with mountain line because you've got the notification center up there as well. I, you know, I, 
it's only one extra icon, but I, I kind of wish they'd come up with something a, bit, a little bit more um, customizable, or perhaps didn't take up so much space for the notification center. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I think you know it's a solid update. I think it does. Um, you know, it, I, I was pleased about how easy it was to upgrade. Um, Took forever. Had no problems with it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like it a lot, and, and I think that pretty much most of the new features they put in it are um, are valuable and useful and worth worth the mon- little bit of money you have to spend to, to get the uh, get the thing. And, and I'm kind of I'm pleased now that Apple seems to be transitioning to this kind of yearly update where you get a pile of new features for not very much money and uh, you know kind of bug fixes and performance improvements and that sort of thing. I think um, I think that's a good place for them to be moving to with OS X at this point, uh, rather than the kind of the flagship huge releases. So, you know, I'd be happy if the next version um, was more of the same, really, rather than a kind of a big ground-up rewrite. I do like the new notifications. Yep. Uh, that's really nice. It's... I can see that it's going to kill Growl pretty soon. <laughs> well, I think I think Growl's approached that because I'm a, I'm a big Growl user. I think what they've done is they've basically um, their next version is going to integrate with Notification Center, so they will become effectively an API to allow people to use Notification Center without writing directly to it. Um, so you work. will get Growl notifications, but you'll get them in Notification Center on them separately. I like that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it's. A little bit of feature creep in that it's starting to take a little bit more space on your menu bars now. That's right. Yeah, notification sensor is up is up there in the corner, and you know I've got quite a lot, quite a lot of stuff up there now, and um, some stuff you can turn off, but some stuff you really need to keep up there. You need to keep you know your battery and the time, and um, you know your Wi-Fi status and stuff like that. And and if I'm not careful, before long it's all going to be you know, butting up against the menus on the other side. Absolutely. So um, it will be good if for the next version they kind of had a look at, at the status icons and figured out a better way of doing those. So on mine, I have right now um, Skype stuck a little thing up there because I've got Skype open. Uh, I've got this thing called uh, Live Wallpaper that I was trying and I didn't realize it was going to stick it in my menu bar. Uh, and yeah. I just downloaded that last week. It was like a buck ninety nine or ninety nine cents on the Mac App Store. I have that as well, and I'd recommend it. Actually, I really like it. Uh, I can't get it to change wallpapers right now. I change, no? and then it pops right back to where it was. Do so, you use um, anything like? Uh, no, I don't what's, use. What's I don't use any replacement. No, nope. because I had some problems with that. Nope. Um, I, my my Mac is pretty stock when it comes to oh, right. UI. Okay. So you're not using um, no. I forget what's called Pathfinder. Yeah, no, Pathfinder I, it was, it was working fine sort of when I left from work for uh, when I left for work on uh, Tuesday, and now it's not working right. It's right. working, but it's showing the same one, and I'm like, eh, yeah. I, I want to see a different thing. They just released a uh, London one for the Olympics. Yeah, I have that one on my desktop, which uh, I've been getting some very because I have two 23 inch monitors on my on my de- on my Mac Mini in, in the office. Yeah. Uh, and I've been getting some very complimentary comments about the pic- that that particular one. It's good because it has a live version of the medal table, which is updated every hour. Oh, that's cool. So uh, you know, we, we, it's a very big thing for for Great Britain that we do well in, in this Olympics because we've invested uh, probably about eight years of, of national lottery funding into improving our sports to try and do well for this Olympics. So it's important that we do well in the medals. Well, at least you guys are spending so the money wisely. It's good to see the medal table every hour and see how we're getting on. Yeah, it's a good thing that London's spending their money wisely. Well, the, the, you can. There's a whole debate about the Olympics about whether you know, particularly in the current financial situation, you know, the eight billion pounds or so I think it's costing us is good value or not. Um, they have concentrated pretty much on making sure that the, the stuff that's been built new will have a life afterwards rather than, you know, if you, if you go to Beijing, apparently most of the venues there are kind of, you know, ruins now. <laughs> Just basically abandoned them after games. Um, but uh, but the thing is, is that is that, that development of sports facilities and sports people, as I say, is funded by our national lottery. So um, that's not direct public taxation that has come out of money that people have paid that's the way our lottery works here is that the money that you put into to run the to pay the the lottery uh, supports 
you know, public projects. So effectively, we have all paid for those results, and uh, it will be good to see some results as a, yep. you know, coming out of that. Next thing on my menu bar, um, uh, I don't know why this is up here. I need to deinstall it because I never use it anymore. It's called Zumocast, and I believe this is this allows me to share content from my Mac to my PS3, which I never do anymore. Uh, then I've got Parallels. Then I've got uh, Google Sync, which I, I signed up for their Google Dropbox thing. And I never use it because i got 100 gigabytes on Dropbox. So I'm going to deinstall this. And then Dropbox, of course, which I absolutely want up there. And then I have my VPN Connect. Then I have Bluetooth. Then I have my uh, Time Machine backup thing. Yep. Um, and that's keep saying it's been 120 something days because I don't use Time Machine very often. Uh, I use um, what do I use? Help me out. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Carbon Copy Cloner. Yeah. Uh, then I have it says Sync Now, uh, so that's the syncing through blah blah blah. I got the eject key. You know, you can have the eject key sitting in your yeah. The reason I have that is because uh, I use a non-standard keyboard and it doesn't have an eject key on it. Then volume, then uh, messages. Then I have my keyboard um, character viewer. And I use that quite a bit when I need to, oh, what is that character for that? So it's just a quick trip to the menu bar. And then date, name, search, and the notifications. So I've got quite a few things up on the right-hand side of my menu bar. And it's starting to get a little bit ridiculous. Yep. I mean, you know, three of the things up there I'm going to get rid of when I get around to it, which will probably be another two months. Um, but if Apple's going to start sticking more stuff up there, that's going to be an issue soon, especially if you have a smaller screen. Now, this is a 27-inch iMac, so I've got a lot of space up there. But if you've got a 15-inch MacBook Pro... Yeah, well, so I'm on an I'm on an 11 inch um, MacBook Air here, so I don't have a lot of space there. Right, it's get you a couple more things up there, and it's full. Yeah. Um, now, oh. um, maybe you can uh, maybe you can do something for me, uh, and I'd be interested to hear what the listeners feel about this as well. Um, I've been having a, a, a conversation on email with John Nemo and one of our one of his listeners about. Um, URLs links in in the in the mail app application for for Mountain Lion. She said that in the older versions she could type a URL and it immediately got turned into a link, an active link with a you know it kind of go blue with a line underneath it. And she says that's not happening now in Mountain Lion. Now I tried this the other day, and it was still doing it was still doing that for me. But I've just tried it again now and it's not anymore. Hmm. So um, I don't know quite what's going on there. And I can't find the setting that might be controlling that. Yeah, and I, that's something that you definitely want because you want to know that the, is it a spammy link? Is it a you know? Yeah, that could be an issue. No, no, no. This is this is if she's composing a mail. This isn't. Oh, um, I get so, you. Yeah. So basically, you know, the the fact that it automatically turns it into a link when you type the URL. Um, and not, you know, certainly on on most mail clients, you type a URL, and then as soon as you space away from it or hit return, then it gets turned into an active link that you could then hover over and see where it's going. Um, and it's not doing that for me now. And it, I'm pretty sure it was doing for, doing it for me the other day. Hmm. So I don't know I don't what's know. going on there. So uh, if anyone else is, has has seen this in Mountain Line or uh, you know um, can shed some light on where the setting that might be controlled at, because. I say, I'm not aware that I've done anything to this machine that would have changed it, but it was pretty sure it was working for me the other day. I don't know what it is. Um, it seems like it'd be an easy fix, but... Well, it's an easy fix if you find it. Right. Find the setting. <laughs> it, it's kind of weird. Uh, we're getting GSM buzz from your phone. Because mine is far away. Oh, wait, you know what? Maybe it's my... You know what? I think it was my Kindle. What Did, was your Kindle? No, I'm still getting GSM buzz. I can hear... Uh, it's either me or you. But we're, uh, it could be me, because I picked up my phone. Uh, yeah, because it's going away now. It's definitely you. Yeah. Um, Sorry. That's okay. 
The listeners didn't mind. They did, but they'll send you hate mail. Um, that's all I had for this week, David, honestly. Uh, it's To me, it's been kind of a slow week researching anything because I've just been swamped. Uh, there there was some news out there, but nothing that really caught my eye that, oh, we got to talk about this. Um, actually, I did send you an email, but I don't remember what it was on. And I said, let's. I want to talk about this this week, but I don't remember what it was. Um, I don't recall that either, but then it's been kind of crazy for me this week, and I'm a little bit fried. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so if you guys want to send us feedback, we'd really appreciate it. We'll play it or read it right here on the show. It's techfanpodcast.com. Click the connect button, contact button, and uh, send us feedback. If you're up there, make sure you click the Amazon link. We'd appreciate it. You're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyways. Click the link at either mymac.com, appminute.com, or techfanpodcast.com. Buy whatever you're going to buy. You won't know the difference, but we will. We'll get a little bit of uh, a couple pennies here and there, and uh, that would be nice. Help offset some of the costs that we incur producing all these different shows. Yeah, remember, remember, I've got that closing ceremony to pay for, so um, I'd very much appreciate it if you'd help us out there. The opening ceremony was pretty cool. I liked the yeah. whole Queen and James Bond thing. That was neat. Yeah, funnily enough, I, I, uh, I heard some comments the other day from some people who really, really hated that. Really? Um, <laughs> but I guess, you know. The thing is, is we were all sat there watching it, because we got to watch it live, unlike you guys. Um but we were all, you know, they did that thing where you could see her from the back and we're all thinking, oh, it's a lookalike, it's a lookalike. It wouldn't really be the Queen. And then she turned around and it was really the Queen and we all went, hey! <laughs> I thought it was great. You know, the only way it would have been better is Daniel Craig walks her out to the helicopter and then a hand comes and lands on his shoulder and he says, I'll take it from here, James. And pan over and it's Sean Connery. Then I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't think Connery would have done that, though, because he, he's not really big on the royal family. No. Well, still. <laughs> it would have been cool. It would have been cool, yeah. I like Daniel Craig as Bond, but Sean Connery will always no, be you gotta, Bond. you got to remember, there's a new Bond film out in a couple of months, so <laughs> you need to get the face time with the star. That's right. Absolutely. Why not? So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Uh, David, thanks for being here this week. Always a pleasure. Um, friend, not going to be around for the next couple of weeks because I'm on vacation. And uh, that means I'll figure out what we're doing next week. <laughs> <laughs> I will be on a cruise ship this time next week and uh, the week after as well. So, Well, don't eat the food if you can at all help it because I keep hearing everyone get sick on cruise ships, so be careful. Uh, it's all about the hand washing. Ah, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, wash your hands a lot. Bring Purell. No, they have they have Purell everywhere on the ship for the, for precisely that reason. Yeah, but everybody else is touching it too. So it's, unless it's hands free, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.